What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It. As always, I am your host, Blake, and with me is my co-host, Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And while this is normally your weekly podcast for movies that have been rebooted, remade, sequelized, adapted, are unoriginal or uninspired, and all that other nonsense, it is, I've you know what? I was doing a real good job of doing like we're on week whatever now, and then we skipped last week, and now I don't really know. We went dark on... March 13th was the day. Let's go back to that time. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. We are on week 11. Wow. Jesus Christ. A quarter of the year almost. Next week we'll be doing this for one whole fiscal oh, wow, that, quarter. A quarter? That, that is nuts. Yep. Yeah. Uh... Oof. Um, yeah, I'm going to be honest. It's a, it's getting tougher and tougher to do the show. As the world kind of gets on fire, the movies feel less and less important. But I, I think I've come to the conclusion that it is actually why we should do the show more and why we should give people a break and give ourselves a break. And uh, we're on week 11 of the quarantine and COVID-19. And as it has week 11, there are now other bigger things happening in the world as well that both Terrence and I are in full support of, of course. Yes. Uh, but we are not that kind of podcast. It's just going to start to slip out everywhere. Right. Instead, because there are no movies, <laughs> there's no <laughs> television, uh, at least not ones that fit our show. Netflix is still cranking out shows, but not fast enough, really. Got to keep. No, I consume easy. them so quickly now. I'm like, oh, give me more. <laughs> I know, I have to stop. We did like half of Space Force, and I was like, no, we must pause. (laughs) But once Space Force is over, I don't know what we have. Um, But we did get some news. No new movies, but uh, news. Ryan Gosling will be playing the Wolfman. Uh, It's still Blumhouse, right? This is all... Blumhouse it's Universal. Universal. It's funny. It's under Universal. I don't. I don't know if Blumhouse is actually doing it, but I believe Blumhouse has all of the Universal, like first rights on all of the Universal flicks. Great. So obviously, The Invisible Man uh, was met with critical acclaim. It was yep. great. It was original. That's how you do a remake or a reboot. You can go back and listen to our episode of that back when Terrence and I were in the same room. <laughs> uh, oh wow. That- that was like our last one, I think. My, did we do, I think we did Emma. Oh, okay. Got it. I think Emma, Emma was the last movie I saw at an AMC. Yes, that's correct. Same. I actually was at a theater at that time. I think four other people. But yes, I was at a theater at that point. Yep. Uh, it feels like so long ago. <laughs> This is gonna sound like a fucking Fallout Three tape. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna get us on fucking track here. I'm sorry. It's yeah. been been a while we took a week off it's tough man you know it really is to just kind of shake it all off shake and get in stuff that's happening in life and just kind of have some fun for a bit yeah yeah it's which is dumb because like part of fun right now is sort of being like the only thing we have to talk about is this insanity <laughs> right isn't it crazy um <laughs> but the invisible man came out this year was sort of the second attempt at bringing back these beloved universal monsters. The first one, of course, being 2017's Mummy with Tom Cruise, which was, of course, one of the worst films I've ever seen. It was so bad. Launching a failure 
of a launch, really, to make the dark universe, which is going to interconnect all of these in a way that I liked. I'm going to be honest. I was on board with the dark universe. Uh, I I liked the one aspect of the mummy that I did enjoy was Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe playing Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I was like, oh, I would like to see him play that in a future film that's not turned into a Tom Cruise action vehicle. Um, I would like to see Jekyll and Hyde done in a horror frame. And it kind of falls into that weird genre that like the pirates movies fall into where you're always going to kind of, or even like an adventure movie, like uncharted, you're always going to be compared to the person who nailed it. Right. And Brendan Frazier's the mummy nailed it. Yeah. Pirates movie nailed it. Indiana Jones nailed it. And when you now kind of try to do these, even if they're not imitations, but similar genres, similar set pieces, similar stories. Correct. If you're not, as good as that or better or doing something completely different we will yeah. always just go but why are we here brendan yeah. the mummy was ama- amazing if you're not changing the formula completely then you you do get that why am i here and i i look i'm not the biggest fan of those brendan Fraser fraser mummies um just because i'm not i don't like an actor playing to like the the the, the back row like he was over the top, but that was the point of that. It just didn't work for me. That said, this new mummy with Tom Cruise was not very different other than you have Tom Cruise running because that's what Tom Cruise does. That's the only really new thing that's in it. The story, for the most part, is exactly the same, just without the fun. Well, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, I think, too, but that that version of the mummy and that version of the dark universe really missed what made these characters resonate at the time culturally and when i say at the time i don't even mean like in 1941 with the original wolfman i mean like bram stoker's dracula the first wolfman book the original frankenstein story they all had this political ideology there was something going on there was something that kind of affected them it's why horror movies usually do kind of connect i mean if you even look at things like get out and us that resonated with us it's because it just took a a laser pointer right into the years it came out and said, well, this is what's going on. It's why people are afraid and it's what they're afraid of. It's why you kind of saw a rise of zombie movies and virus movies in the eighties mm-hmm. when you know, the AIDS epidemics were going on. It's why you saw Bram Stoker's Dracula is analogous to syphilis. That is what it's about. It's being afraid of a virus and afraid of the people carrying it and, and sequestering them and, the only way you get it is if you go near them and they have to affect you. And it's why technophobia blew up in, in the 70s when all of that was coming out. It's why... I mean, it's why Invisible Man worked because you put it through the lens of domestic violence and someone who's being terrorized by somebody that they love. Like, you used what is happening today. Because, look, people aren't afraid. of The, the days of being afraid of Freddy, Jason, the boogeyman are kind of over. We've kind of gotten through that. But now if you can make it a little bit more realistic and say you this is what you are afraid of and use that as your vehicle to kind of prop up your horror, your horror movie, right? that's the way to do it now. Um, but even those old slashers had, you know, a, a folklore aspect to it and, and sure. had a resonance of, you know, the original Friday the 13th is revenge. It is, it's, kind of a sins of the father you know my son drowned because of this negligence and now i will return as the mother and i'll kill these other negligent people because 
they need to learn. And we keep repeating yeah. these mistakes. Or there, there, and there is always something interesting about the unstoppable monster like Mike Myers. There is something to explore there. There is. Yeah. And I think that's why for those those movies like the, the that era of Michael Myers, Jason, Freddy, the first film of those are always the most the most heart wrenching because they're they're doing a morality play or some type of moral compass or some type of story. It just once you start doing it over and over and over again, it becomes like, oh, this person's no longer you. You've lost the thread that I was afraid of or why this was serious to me. Now I've made this a comedy. So, um, but the first time they do that, usually they're you're right. They always are like, oh, I can't go to sleep. Like I'm a the parents of us have done some crazy shit to Freddie. And now he's coming to haunt us in our dreams and there's nothing that they can do about it or we can really do about it. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and there is, you know, there's also something too about making what feels safe unsafe. Like mm. part of Freddie is, well, you were safe here in the dreams and you're not. And it's, it's yeah. overcoming certain things, right? A lot of those movies also deal with overcoming a fear or even like punishment of being openly sexual or punishment of yeah. this. It's, it's why kind of the first scream worked and made this kind of meta case of, well, look at all of these things that happen. Right. All of this is what the original dark universe and the mummy lacked. It did not have any of that. These were, what do we have that can match the Marvel movies without going, well, why are superheroes? Yeah. And emotionally what it, you know, it goes back to like the pathos and ethos of everybody and what what are we saying and what are we doing and why is it here? It really is kind of the crux of the podcast of what are we doing here? What's the point of being here again? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I remember when that know, trailer first dropped and it's a, at first, the trailer first dropped and it literally was just an action sequence of Tom Cruise being sucked out of a helicopter and told me nothing about a mummy or any, I was like, wait, I think they missed the complete mark of what this is supposed to be about. And then you see the, yeah. bo- the, the budget is like 190 something million dollars. Like, okay, look, they don't know what's happening here. Yeah. And I mean, Brendan Fraser's mummy does a very good job of just going one. A lot of these curses are just don't mess around with history. You're impugning on another person's land and lore. And then there's almost an appropriation thing to it. But even that curse of, well, you know, he wanted her and nobody else could have her. So he did this evil, horrible thing. And now it's back and there's context of slavery. And I'm going to take you because you spoke the Jewish language of these. And right. it's a big adventure movie that is smart. Yeah. And Tom Cruise's The Mummy was a big action movie that was dumb and yeah. didn't. There was nothing cohesive into it. But but then we got The Invisible Man, which yes. was then Blumhouse's attempt to bring these back i mean these characters have made universal money forever it would be fiscally irresponsible not to use these characters right and very often they bring them out of the point of bankruptcy historically is when this this swings back around and saves them not that that's where they are now but you know who knows when (laughs) they'll need it again they might need these smaller budget films to kind of start making a couple of dollars because who knows when this stuff opens back up. Yeah. You know, the wolf man's going to be shot on a D five <laughs> <D5 laughs> camera with uh, 10 people in masks. So that's, <laughs> we got to do what you got to do. But this was, I think kind of the launching point and they, they were never really excited if this was going to be a shared universe or if Blumhouse is just going to get the keys to every kingdom, except for scream. He's not getting scream. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't scream. Yeah, yeah. But 
he's got all this this wealth of characters that he can make cheap and shoot well and do and a proven model. And now we have the Wolfman, which is yeah. actually very smart because really historically, if you look at the books, Dracula blew it all up and the Wolfman came next and inspired the UK and America. And that was the next big monster. So here we are yeah. with Ryan Gosling. Yes. Uh, who originally, I guess for the longest had been circling this to possibly be a, di a director, but now he's just straight, just solo acting, which is probably for the best. Um, has he directed uh, before? No, this would kind of been his first thing. He might have done something small, but I don't think he has anything that is actually big out, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, Elizabeth Banks kind of broke her teeth on like the Pitch Perfect 2 sequel. It, it's possible, but I just think um, I would love this to be done by somebody else who's a little bit more. Right now, I guess the person they're circling is the director who did the HBO Bad Education uh, with Hugh Jackman, which is phenomenal if anyone hasn't seen Great. it. It's it's a really good flick. So I would be I would be down for that. I love um, I think Jake's a talented actor. He's not my favorite, but I think if they're the way that they're saying the script looks like is in the way sort of in the vein of Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal that came out a couple of a uh, couple of years ago. And if you give me something that's as creepy as that movie, uh, I would be all in on this. Um, I don't know how exactly you tie those like that style together, but I think that I mean we saw Nightcrawler. That was a guy who, as the movie went along, went further and further into descent and kind of what he wanted to catch that story uh, drove him further into madness. So if we get something like that for an hour and a half or hour forty minutes of a Wolfman, <laughs> sign me up. Well, that's also an interesting comparison because Nightcrawler is inherently a different character in night and in day. Right. And then kind of both sides of that coin are driven by the same thing. So I think when you use that for the Wolfman, it'll be interesting. What I think is, is, is interesting about the whole thing is that we've chosen Ryan Gosling, who has kind of a long history of playing these very quiet, subdued characters you look at the place beyond the pines and blade runner 2049 and he's always very minimalistic in his performance and yeah. there's so much in his eyes and expressions that make that character no matter what he's doing empathetic and sympathetic and you feel so much for what he's going through that i think if you deliver that into a wolfman is he's playing the wolfman right this isn't Correct. like he's just in I don't it. Think okay. he's, yeah 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 okay if you kind of then take these elements of the Wolfman, because, you know, in the 1941 movie, if you look at kind of the, I guess, more thematic depth of the Wolfman, I think it's one that doesn't have as much of it. It is more of a, it can happen to anybody idea. And then right. people have other sides and there's good and there's evil in everybody. But if you look at like, I don't know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, another transformative story. That's more a character who is doing this to himself. And it's, it's more about the karma of what you do to yourself and owning those mistakes and, and the regrets and waking up and the remorse where the Wolfman is more about hiding it. It's more about this is something that happens to me. And if all of you knew that it happened to me, you would treat me differently so I have to leave and I have to go do this thing and I have to isolate myself 
but then I can come back and be this person. And and picking a character like Ryan Gosling who plays characters like that so well. Yeah, see, he's outside of. I think the only time that I saw saw him kind of playing something other than that was probably the other guys. But you're right; most of the time, he is. It's very minimalistic the way that he delivers and it's usually just in his facial reaction and in his eyes like i still remember shots of i think the end of la la land when he just looks at the door and kind of just like he sees her for the last time and you're like that says everything without actually having words ever be kind of yeah displayed. that's sort of his gift and when you put makeup and do all of this other stuff which i'm assuming that they will uh if his eyes are all you kind of have to play with i think he's a talented enough actor that he can kind of deliver that from that yeah, and it, it's that interesting thing, right, where the, the poem from the original Wolfman was, even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. So there is, as opposed to the other universal monsters that either descend into madness, have madness thrust upon them, are evil from the beginning, are misunderstood, uh, these other things, the Wolfman's idea is it, doesn't matter yeah it doesn't matter you can be the best guy in the world but there's always going to be something that destroys you and i think in this day and age when you're trying to modernize that concept the way they modernize the invisible man because i don't really want to go back to the 1800s or the early 1900s or all this i don't think we've ever had a wolf man in past the 70s yeah, it's been a while since Wolfman's gotten any type of film film stuff. I mean, you get the Wolfman. The last one was Joe American Johnson, Werewolf. right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you had the American Werewolf in Paris stuff, but the, the Wolfman itself, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a but long. these are all, even the modern ones are period pieces. Correct. We've yeah, never, even American Werewolf is, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we, we've never really had a Wolfman in, like, the 90s, So I think if you kind of take that idea and put it in now, what does that mean? And I think now I, I've looked it up since we've been talking. Um, Lauren Lauren Blum, who is Mike uh, Jason Blum's wife, is the co-writer. Been chasing out that mouse during the quarantine. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's, yeah. she's the co-writer of this, so this is definitely a Blumhouse picture. So you know the price, the budget's only going to be like five to seven million dollars. Has so she probably won't anything be. else? I don't think so. I'm unfamiliar with her credits. I, I am too. Like I just saw, like I saw the name because Gosling apparently pitched this, and then Lauren Blum and Rebecca Angelo co-wrote the script. So I don't know if she's written other stuff, um, but I definitely know because her name's there. I was like, oh yeah, Blum, this is definitely going to be a um, a Blumhouse production. Which oh well, means, this is good. Then we're also bolstering. Those are two female one. writers, right? So we're. Yeah. Because the Wolfman is also kind of, I think, known for getting a little damsel in distressy, like. Yes. Oh, looks like she's written on Orange Is the New Black, as well. Oh, great. Okay. Well, this is great. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think that's a solid. That means then that they aren't going to get as big as the Mummy is, because I think the Invisible Man only costing seven million dollars and making. Even amongst being kind of slowed down because of the pandemic, still made 121 million dollars in well, the box. These, these movies, and maybe I'm just holding on because I I loved the Universal black and white monster movies when I was a kid. My mom showed them to me a lot with old black and white Twilight Zones, and maybe I'm just holding on a little bit to that. But those movies, they never got 
huge. Like yeah. you, you and, and granted, you know, black and white movies, but like Casablanca gets kind of big. There's yeah. other there's other movies in black and white in that era that do get the scale for their time. And yeah. you know, we just rewatched the original Dracula, and really the biggest thing there is the staircase and the cobweb that he walks through. Everything else is done through dialogue and small moments and rubber bats and <laughs> yes. these giant set pieces that that Tom Cruise's mummy used were so unnecessary because a mummy in and of itself is pretty freaky. With, like you don't yeah. need to do a lot. You don't need, and it's and it's so weird because the original, the, the original, the Brendan Fraser era of mummies also did stuff with like sandstorms and whatnot. But it just felt more, even with the effects being rougher back then, it just felt more tangible in real world than the the massive stuff that Tom Cruise was running from. I was like, this just feels too big for the sake of I don't know why. Well, the mummy contained itself to sort of Indiana Jones level rules and regulations. And here's what we do and what it has to be. Tom Cruise's mummy got very mission impossible. It got very Avengers and, Oh, he's got to fly out of the plane and now he's here and it's huge and everything is cataclysmic. And the original mummy isn't a world ending threat. Yeah. This was a like a, you know, in Mysterio's terms, a world-ending. This is an <laughs> Avengers-level threat. Yeah. And I think when you get somebody like Ryan Gosling, who, you know, doesn't do the biggest movies, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is probably the biggest tentpole movie he did, and that didn't really do too hot, even though it's one of the single greatest movies of the decade. And even as big as that is, that's more. An art, it's still essentially an art house noir, LA noir that is just visually breathtaking. Yeah, it it sets a very similar tone to Invisible Man, which I like, and I'm curious what the pitch is going to be. I just want to see them modernize it. I want to see them kind of find a way to go, what is it now? Because I guess when I think about it, like most people, you immediately go to, well, what are these people doing in secret when they have to leave for a while? What's the thing that we're going to dig up on Twitter that you were hiding. Who is the person you are when all the doors are closed right. that you maybe don't have to be? Yeah. And what what is that fear? You know, you you look at the stuff going on right now and you go, well, there were a lot of people that we knew who this is who they were anyways. Yeah. Taking the riots and protests out of it. Let's even just look at COVID. Yeah. Oh, it turns out that I have friends who, when they're told to stay home for a week, are going to go break quarantine to get laid and break right. it to go party and do yeah. all these things. Yeah. And they're going to do that because, like, you know, fuck me, they're going to live their lives. But the other side of that coin is, why would they ever tell me that? They know that I'm going to call them out. Yeah. And when you look at the Wolfman, it is that, like, well, your best friend might at night eat people because he has to. Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's a further extreme. These people don't have to go party, but how right. does that look in the modern world? What yeah. are the things sure. that we're hiding? Right. What are the secrets we're keeping? And yeah, like that would be crazy to think of like the a person that you absolutely love. The only way that they can continue on living is that at night, from time to time, they have to they have to feed on people, and you're aware of it. You know it, and you have to kind of. Can you imagine being the other person? Because that's what I think. Like I love so much about the Invisible Man 
it that movie wasn't about the Invisible Man. It was about how the Invisible Man interacted with Elizabeth Moss's character, and that's more fascinating to me in current day than just having the monster run around and do damage. Yeah, we're really leaning into the trauma of horror now. Like yeah. we're and that weird this kind of era this invisible man era midsummer hereditary the witch us get out it are so much less about the monster and more about the effects the, yeah. the monster is having on everybody else right even the new halloween movie is much more about the effects of what michael myers did to lauren strode over the than years. mike myers killing all these people right we are now kind of starting to go, really, the horror is how long this will last. The mm-hmm. horror is no longer the night you survived. The yeah. horror is now 20 years later when you can't do anything. The PTSD that you suffered from that night. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've already sort of explored the abusive relationship in, in The Invisible Man and what that trauma does and what that pent-up frustration does. So I almost wonder if this is more... The caretaker. Is this going to be much more of the like, oh, he's this normal, brilliant scientist, but you know, every now and then I have to lock him in his room and I have to go out and get his food and I now have to do the terrible things because I believe in whatever the Wolfman is doing and and how long can you do that? Right. I can't set him free, but if I can, if I can manipulate the system where I bring him the food, that's fine. But if he gets out, I, I... all hell is going to break loose. Like, I can't let him out. Because that's now the horror, right? The horror is now seeing posts on Facebook that might be interpreted a certain way. And for a long time, we just scrolled by it and went, well, that guy's crazy. And now we know, well, you know what? If we just, if we just walk by and let the fire burn, the fire is going to burn. Yeah. We have to kind of start snuffing it out. So are we going to get something like that where it is like, and I just can't keep putting the fire out every week and eventually seeing what happens when, when the people who could do something to stop bad things from happening, get worn out and just go, go, go do it. Be the wolf man. I don't care. Like there is no cure. There is no coming back. You're just the wolf. Cause it's also, you know, Frankenstein, we come to understand. Dracula is a monster that needs to be stopped. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is a sympathetic character that we can maybe help and fix. Right. The creature from the Black Lagoon is just leave me alone. The Hunchback of Notre Dame and the Phantom of the Opera are very much like, well, if we learned about these people, we could we, we could, could live with them. Right. But the Wolfman has always been either... He's the wolf man and he goes crazy and he destroys everything and we have to kill him. Or he's sympathetic and empathetic and we feel for him as a human. But then what? So is it now going to become a bigger conversation of does the good that you put into the world equal the evil? Right. As we kind of look at people like, I don't know, Bill Cosby and and start weighing the pros and cons of the literal monsters that are around us. And I think the obvious answer that's going to be worth exploring is no, because the others, but the bigger part of this coin is that he doesn't have a choice. Right. He is the wolf man. Yeah. So then you do go, well, 
That's a scary thing to think about. How do you put that horror on the screen becomes the question. Yeah. Because we know how to put the violence on the screen. We know how to do some Cronenberg body horror. Look at him twist and turn and his, yeah. his hands have to pause and he grows a snout and the fangs. And we know how to shoot the person watching that transformation and be scared. And we know how to show him ravage a town and we know how to shoot him feeling bad the next day. And we know how to shoot him yelling, get out, get out to right. everybody while it's happening. We know how to make the Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> So how do we how do we now make that different? And it, is it just this secret he has, and he goes out, and nobody really knows what happens, and then somebody finds it, and or is it maybe more of a like you have to go be who you are, and you have to go be the Wolf Man, and yeah. everyone just is afraid of you, and it it will not matter what you do for these people because once a night you're gonna kill them. Pretty much. And I think Ryan Gosling's a great choice for that. I do too. Do you want this, since this is all Blumhouse, do you want these worlds to connect? Are you perfectly fine with them being as separate films from each other? If we're building to something interesting, um, I like it when things connect. I like putting the dots together and going, oh, well, if this means this and but I go, where are we going with it? Because I think that was the big problem with the dark universe. It's even kind of a smaller problem with the monster verse. It's, it was even a problem with the DCEU. It was like, well, what's the end game? Yeah. We, we like, knew what Marvel's was. The first end game was just making the Avengers movie. And then a decade later, it was doing end game. And it was, well, here's the story we're telling and what it means and why it's important and why we needed to do all of this. So if we're, if we're building something unique and interesting with it, awesome. But what I don't want is some post credit scene where Ryan Gosling turns into a human and Elizabeth Moth turns off her invisible suit and is like, I'm putting together a team. <laughs> there are abusers out there. They don't understand. The, like, I don't want to, I don't need that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because I think the end game always, like, from what they were doing originally was, like, to do some Van Helsing type thing. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want that because that, at that point, the villains for the, most of their single films, Elizabeth Moss, a little notwithstanding, even though she did outright murder a guy. Um, these are all villains at the end of the day. So it's kind of hard to make a, a in-game type film when these people are typically well, guys. You, you could make a Van Helsing type more of now the guy who's trying, who now sees people in the world that he's scared of and is going to make them seem like monsters. You can now make a Van Helsing who's like, no, Elizabeth Moth, she killed him. She killed him. And for all we know, she killed her sister and she killed all these other people just to kill this guy. Right. Just to. Yeah. No, that's a, yeah. And you can take Ryan Gosling and he can go, no, maybe he's the one who takes away the medicine that stops him from being a wolf. And he runs and he destroys the town. And then Van Helsing gets to go, look at what the wolf man did. Yeah. And then you can now you can make him a tool of the media and somebody who's and the more Avengers effort can be exposing this and them finding their place in the world and going, well, no, we were all abused and taken advantage of and we're not the monsters. And maybe if we do it this way, you'll see it. But now you have this guy who's trying to keep the world. He understands it normal. 
He doesn't yeah. want wolfmen and creatures and invisible women and all of these things that threaten his world. Yeah. He doesn't just have to be a hunter anymore. You could make him more manipulative. And then I'm like, well, that would be that would be cool. Yeah. How do you keep that still scary? Because That's... now I am you're asking the question of how do I make the horror characters who are always supposed to be sympathetic now just straight up heroes. Right. While now the fear has to be this guy affecting everybody else. It's a very big challenge because you either just make them action movies or you make them adventure movies. And at the end of the day, these are horror movies. Yeah. And I, and I don't want them to get far from that because I, I loved Invisible Man and I like the tone of that. And I want them to keep that. I'm, I'm not too worried about Blumhouse. They, they got Invisible Man right. I feel like they kind of know what they're doing with that. Um, but I, I like that to stay this that tone the entire time. Um, I'm not afraid of them getting too big, though. Because I think they've seen they've seen how this can go horribly wrong, and they're like, yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, and Blumhouse doesn't really get too big. They no. you know cap it at ten million and call it a day. So I think those fears are assuaged. I am just more like, what are we gonna do that's different? The story. Yeah. What can we do that's different? Because I don't, I just don't want to see another like, oh, and he turned into the wolf in the cathedral and he destroyed the town and. Just put a silver bullet in your gun and shoot him. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> yeah. This isn't an old yeller situation. I'm not going to get a, the, a dog's purpose with the wolf man where he's taken out back by somebody. And, or maybe I will. Who knows? But I think there's enough to do with these characters. There's enough meat that's there. I think you just have to look at it the same way they looked at Invisible Man and go, what are we scared of now? And what do people relate to now? And how do we adapt that character in a way that's grounded? You know, there was no potion. He had a suit. Right. But that's an advantage the Invisible Man has over the Wolf Man. There is no wolf suit. Correct. There it does have to be a curse, a, a, some sort of sage weed, some sort of reason this is happening some sort of lore the world building will be a bit bigger than it was in the invisible man it will be it it's this character it just lends itself to not being as even though that was tech-based um more practical you you kind of have to get otherworldly just to make the, the the wolfman work which is fine <laughs> Would be kind of funny, too, if they did connect all of them, because we started very like, well, you know, this man built a suit with the MCU, and, but then it got cosmic. <laughs> yes. so it's like, oh, no, you'd actually kind of be doing exactly what the MCU did, and you're going to start with this. Oh, God, I hope they don't make the Wolfman cap. I hope he's don't like, well, he'll be frozen in time. <laughs> We're going to make the Wolfman of the 1800s and, and he'll come out. back into the current time and he'll bring that magic. And then when we, uh, you know, we'll do the creature from, we'll do the mummy and that'll be our Thor and we'll use Egyptian gods. And, uh, and then, you know, <laughs> the Hulk will be Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And then yeah. we'll, just, oh, I'd be so mad. That would be hilarious if they went that exact same route. <laughs> And you could do black like they're doing the um, 
Elizabeth Banks is doing The Invisible Woman, probably not via Blumhouse, and I don't know if she's doing it as a comedy or whatever, but that's happening at Universal at the same time as this. They're like, cool. We'll just, I don't know what that means or why that's there, but sure, why not? Yeah, right. That's kind of, well, that's how all of this is, is they're like, well, we're still doing A Bride of Frankenstein, and we're still yeah. doing this and this. Like, and Paul Speak has, like, the one mash, like, the mashup film he has that he wants to work on with some of the Universal Monsters. I, I feel like they're kind of doing what the DC uh, EU is doing now. Like, look, anybody, if you want these characters, come play with them. Like, we don't, we, we're no longer trying to make a, a world. We're just going to see what the hell happens and, and run with it. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, it might be better to just do small self-contained stories and not yeah. worry about connecting it. But I know that that's the, that's what everyone's chasing. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? The point is Ryan Gosling's there. He'll do a good job. And I think there's enough meat on the bones to keep these stories going. Yeah. Uh, I want to get some hunchbacks and some the fandoms. I want to get those, those sympathetic. I love those two characters because they are the ones that like, just if you learn about us, if you show me a little bit of love, I can show you that you shouldn't hate us. Um, those are the characters that I want to kind of see. I, I'm also excited for the ones that we don't immediately think about, like Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. And yeah. Like just weirder, weirder people. But And then we can start crossing them over with comedy characters. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so fun. But, you know. The original ones, right? Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy, werewolf. And then it is always like Dracula's daughter, the son of Frankenstein, the bride of Frankenstein, right? It's then they got really sequelized and but I do want some Phantom, I want some hunchback movies. And I think that, you know, and the creature from the Black Lagoon. I don't think that that's too much to ask for. Yeah. Look at this giant grid they have of all of them. This is wild. It is. I mean, and like they right now sort of have something for a, a, a lot of places are working on stuff at the same time. Like Paul Feig is turning his second, I guess, script for his little mashup flick. There's a monster mash thing that they're talking about doing. It's just a, a lot of stuff. To, there's a lot of places to play with with all of these Universal Monsters because they have a ton of them. Um, it's just starting to kind of get the tone correct first before putting out a massive publicity stunt photo with this person's going to be this person and this person's going to be this person. Like, yeah, that never happened. Well, that's, that's how we used to do it for, for a few years there was we just said, here's everybody and it's going to be great. Like, yeah. here we go. What we really, really need though, Terrence, once all this is done and no one's really talking about it because it's a very deep cut movie is carry on screaming. We need Carry On Screaming to come back. Do you know <laughs> this movie? I do not. This was a 1966 British comedy film doing its own like silly, almost like total recall take on the Universal Monster movies. Nice. It was the big parody of uh, the Hammer horror films. It was awesome. We need, when we're done with all of this, the <laughs> comedies to return. Nice. I'll take it. Right. It was it's fantastic. I think it might be on shutter for those looking. But uh -huh. who knows anymore? You know, all of those apps. Well, I don't know, man. I, that's all I've got on this. We we stretched out a small bit of news about an actor in a movie into forty minutes, so Oh beautiful. 
Unless you've got another 20 you can kill somehow. I I, I'm, I'm tapped out. No, I'm, I'm good. This is what the quarantine does. You see behind the curtain. I'm just like, I don't know, man. What are we, ta- what are we talking about? <laughs> That's how like every movie podcast should be right now. Because I see a few others that are becoming, oh, we, we're just going to do all the Fast and the Furious movies and retrospects. We're going to do every single MCU movie, blah, 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 blah. I was like, I, have, I got nothing left to say about these fucking no, movies. I've, I've said all I need to say about those. <laughs> like, good. I don't need to do nine weeks on every Star Wars. I but they, they should all just be tired. It, they should all start the way we did. I'm just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> we're not making anything. Like nothing's don't coming shoot out. shoot any movies. I don't know. It's crazy. I spend every week, like around Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm like, all right, cool. Let me see what's coming out this week. Oh, nothing? Shit. All right, well, then here we go. Chasing SEO right now is stupid. Because if I go over to the like entertainment part of Twitter, it's just like, Oh, which uh, which celebrity said something stupid? And oh, John right. Krasinski sold some good news. And uh, yeah. oh, Lady Gaga is going to be in fun tonight. And Josh Gad's doing stuff over Zoom. And I, <laughs> HBO Max is out. Who fucking whatever, yeah. man. I feel like SB with with what's currently happening, as well as with the Corona slash COVID nineteen, I feel like SEO has just gone out the window. Like, look, none of this matters right now. Well, no, the only SEO right now is all words that I don't want to put in. <laughs> <laughs> it's all things that you don't want to do. That is correct. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. We're better off, you know, doing other stuff. <laughs> People don't want to fucking search for COVID and see this podcast. That's stupid. <laughs> Nobody, yeah. nobody wants to look for fucking real news about the world and be like, oh, the Wolfman, this is going to be prominent. <laughs> right. Why would I lie to people? <laughs> I don't know, guys. Leave us a review if you want. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Keep listening and, you know, stay safe out there. It's just getting crazier and crazier every day. Yeah. All right. That's it. Later, folks. Bye.